Wonderful. If you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 41. You guys are very quick. Don't put it up yet because I'm not quite, uh, not quite there. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're the reason why we gather together. Lord, it's wonderful to see lovely people, but you're the reason why we come to meet with you, to enjoy your presence, to dwell with you, and then to hear your voice, what you have to say. And so we open up ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, it's one of the greatest promises, I think, in all of the Bible is where God says, I will be with you. And similar to that, he says, I am with you. In fact, he says, I will be with you, those exact words, almost 1,400 times. And I am with you over a 1,000 times. There's some variations of that. If you change variations, it's almost 21,000 times. There's something about God's presence that was his plan and desire. Isaiah 41, verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Interesting. God says, my presence removes fear. Fear not. Not because you shouldn't fear. Not because it's unhealthy. Don't worry, be happy. No, he says, fear not, because I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. 40, Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. This, these things occur, literally, as I said, hundreds and hundreds of times. I've just picked out a couple. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 17, uh, which follows up, actually, if you read just before, in verse 33 of chapter 13, he says, I won't be with you all the, forever. Jesus is saying this. That, that would be discouraging to me. But he says in 1417, in the spirit of truth, when he, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he, will, he dwells with you and will be in you. So he's saying, I won't be here, but I've given you my spirit. Hundreds of scriptures. Matthew 28, verse 20. The Great Commission. And it ends with this. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And there's something about God's presence that to me is the essence of what the message of the Bible is all about. God wants relationship with us. Talked about that last week, being restored to relationship. 
God is present with us. It's fantastic. But it's even better when you add the next part. And that is not only is God with us, but God speaks. John 10, verse 4, when he brings out his own sheep, talk about the shepherd. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That's kind of generic, but in, in verse 27, he makes it very specific. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In fact, it starts way back in the beginning, Genesis 1, the creation story. As it starts in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, goes on and says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was like, God said. God's a God who speaks. He didn't just think it. It wasn't ESP. There's something of the very beginning about God's a God who speaks. So much so that if you read in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, talking about the time they spent in the wilderness, 40 years. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone. Verse 4, sorry. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. He's actually saying he took 40 years to make them know one thing. As important as food is to your body, hearing God is important to your soul your spirit. In fact, Jesus quotes this in Matthew 4, 4, and says the same thing. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's actually saying, we live by hearing God's voice. That's pretty amazing. Not only is God with us, but he speaks to us. He's not just with us as a silent partner some presence, he's with us in relationship and speaks to us. Hundreds and hundreds of times in the Bible, there's something about God speaking or the mandate for us to listen, hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. That's one of the great joys of relationship. Not just that God's with us, but that he speaks to us. In fact, if I asked, I would bet that almost all of us have testimonies about God speaking to us. How many would have a testimony of something that God's spoken to you? Just put your hand up real quick. Many of us having heard something that God has said, I have hundreds Hundreds of testimonies of that, of encouragements, revelations, things that God's opened my eyes to see about me, direction, warning, all those things that are a result of walking in intimacy. So if I had to 
title this, which I don't always do. It would be something like this, Growing in Intimacy. How does God speak? See, if God's with us and God speaks, then understand that how he speaks would probably be very important. None of you have ever questioned that, but I always have. I was raised in a church background that didn't believe that God spoke today, believed that God spoke in his word and that was it. And if someone said that they heard God speaking to them today, they would call the men with the white coats to come and take them away to an asylum because they were hearing voices. But I've heard many messages such as 12 ways God speaks, 15 ways God speaks to us, 18 ways God speaks to us. Do I hear 20? See, it's important that we understand how God speaks so that we can grow in relationship. But it's also important for protection. I was in a church service years ago as a young pastor in a church, and there were probably seven, 800 people in this gathering, and there was a guy who had a prophetic anointing, and he was preaching, and in the midst of it, he looked at the other pastor who was there and began to prophesy about Japan. Japan! Japan! And now, understanding that, that background, this guy had been a missionary in Japan, and he was actually declaring that there was something of God opening up a door again, which was absolutely accurate. But he went, looked beyond the pastor to the young lady who was sitting in the row behind and said to her, God says, you're going to Japan too. Your future, your destiny is in Japan. And she came to me afterwards in tears and said, do I have to go to Japan? <laughs> I have no desire. I've never even thought of Japan. She was engaged to, to be married. She should cut off her engagement because God had said something. I said, absolutely not. Put it on the back burner. It might be something for you, you know, years from now. It might never be. But the reality is that there's something of how God speaks that is confirmation of what he's spoken to us. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit. So instead of 15 ways how God speaks, I'm going to give you two categories, just for simplicity's sake, because I couldn't remember all 15 or 18 or 20. Two categories. How does God speak? Externally and internally. Very simple. Externally are things outside of us. First of those is the Bible. The Bible is not just something that we figure out what speaks to us. It's actually what God's saying. But there's other things. Audible words. But if it's external, it's audible words that other people hear as well. 
Because there's inner words, a still small voice, but that's not what we're talking about. External is what's audible. Visions that people see. We, we sang briefly one of the songs about the fiery furnace. The fourth person in the fiery furnace was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That fourth person was seen by everyone. Not just by them. They didn't just have an inner vision. It was an actual external vision. Now when it's confirmation of things God's spoken to us, it can be prophetic words or words of knowledge as well. So you're praying something and you ask God to confirm through someone else and someone feels like they come to you and they say, hey, I don't know your situation, but I feel like God was saying this. And all of a sudden you go, ah, that's outside of me, but it's a confirming something that I feel like I've heard God. Are you still with me? Yeah. When we talk about internal, there's all kinds of ways. Inner voice. Feel like God's speaking to you. For some people, it's a sense of peace. I've been talking to a lot of people in the last few weeks. I asked one person and he told me that uh, for him it's, it's red light, green light. Well, but that's a sense of peace. Uh, there's, there's highlighted scripture. All of a sudden we're reading something and something stands out and we know that God's speaking to our situation. Not just the, the reality of what the scripture means, but something personal to us. Sometimes there's a feeling. It's amazing to me how different we are. Mary's much more sensitive feeling-wise to atmospheres and things in the spirit than I am. And so we would travel to other nations and she would have this sense of weight and a feeling of, of some sort of opposition in the spirit. And all, all I can understand, all I can experience is the smell of the gutter. <laughs> in fact, uh, we were talking the other night, Mary and I and, uh, and Lucy, and we were talking about creative things. They're both very creative. And they, which is lovely. I'm not. They were talking about how certain things are refreshing to them, like music and art. And Lucy asked me, how, how does that art stuff make you feel? I said, to me, that's anything but refreshing. <laughs> that's work. I took an art class when I was in high school because we had to. And uh, man, it was work because it's not how my brain, my brain thinks mathematically. I lay in bed at night doing math problems. <laughs> Seriously. Mary went, what? <laughs> but you know what hit me? Is that God made us different because he speaks differently. The creative things, he's not going to speak to me. He's going to speak to them because they hear that language.
Sorry, I got sidetracked. Internal, talk about internal things. There's also another internal thing, which is visions or dreams. So there is a vision that everyone sees, and there's visions that you see. It's an internal thing, or a dream. Those are all internal. Are you still with me? Okay. I'm trying to set the foundation here so we can, can get into some other things. So if we're going to grow, we need to be reading the Word, submitting to the Word, what God has said, shows us His character and nature. It gives us a framework, a guideline for weighing everything else we hear internally. But we also need to be cultivating the presence of God. Surrendering to the Spirit. So here's the question. With the subjective internal part, how do you know it's God? <laughs> Come on, let, let me preach. How do you know it's God and not just your imagination or someone's imagination? How do you know it's not somebody prophesying out of their own heart? Ezekiel 13, verse 2 and 17 talks about that. So there's something about that that says that we can prophesy out of our own heart. And so how do we know if it's God or if it's imagination or someone prophesying out of their own heart. I'm glad you asked. Before I get into that, let me just make this comment, only because it's going to come in later. Uh, that God speaks in different areas. And not all the same. And I want to just give you four of them, just so you understand, and we're going to talk about it later. There's relational things he speaks Relational things sometimes just be, is me and him. Sometimes it's just what he thinks of me. Sometimes it's just a revelation. But then there's directional things. Things he wants us to do. Then there's correctional things. Things that we need to make adjustment in. But then there's also warnings. Protection. Okay? Right? Just some broad categories. There's probably more. I'm not saying that that's all of it, but I just want you to understand that because it will help us a little bit later on. So, back to how do we know as God? First and foremost, is it in keeping with his word? Thank you, Andrew. Is it in keeping with his word? What he's already said. Now, how do you know that unless you're studying the word? It's what he said. God in his word reveals his character. So is it in keeping with his character? His love for people. Years ago, we lived in South Africa. And there was a pastor of a big church there who made a public declaration that God told him to divorce his wife and marry his secretary for the sake of the ministry. Was that God? Absolutely not. 
because it wasn't in keeping with the word. Very simple. There's no black and white there. It's objectively true. That wasn't God. But there are some things that the word don't actually, doesn't actually say specifically. You know, the Bible says something about marriage, but I could never find anywhere in the Bible that said Russ Doty should marry Mary Ellen Eason. It was a really good decision, but it doesn't actually say that. So what happens? I can't go back to the word, though I go to the character of the word, but I have to come back to, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? You still with me? So how do we know, ultimately, with confirmation? Now, confirmation is a big word that I'm using, and I'm going to define it in a little bit. But basically, it's we see it fulfilled. Okay? That was the Old Testament expectation. If the prophet prophesied and it didn't happen then they weren't prophesying God. Okay, in that big deal, let me just throw this hint out. With the direction and correction, it's usually good to get confirmation before taking the action or sharing the word. With other things, sometimes we only have the confirmation afterwards. A word of knowledge is often like that. I was in a meeting. The guy preaching had a word of knowledge and he said that there's someone here who was in a car accident. You were in a red Jeep Wrangler and you got T-boned by another car. You were, were injured and you have a residual problem with your back and your right leg. Someone jumped up ran to the front and said, that's me. Very specific. How did, how did you know that that was God? Because it was somebody who responded and it was exactly right. It wasn't, oh, just believe this. No. It actually spoke to someone and it, it was accurate information. You, know, you can imagine, now that the word was, you're this, but God's saying he wants to heal your, your back. So they came to the front and quite excited with tears, but also with faith. Because God had spoken to them, not inside, externally. But it, it, it caused faith to rise up. So sometimes we only know after the fact. Sometimes you feel like you have a word of knowledge. God's saying something to somebody. And you're not sure, is that me? Is that God? Is that my imagination? You don't want to ever know unless you actually share it. And if it is God, they're going to be amazed. Not at you, but at God's love for them. Right? And so sometimes you only know after the fact. So let me just deal with some of the things, some of the ways God confirms. And I want to say this. I think it's best, the best confirmation 
for something heard internally is something external. Now think about that for a second. If God's speaking some major direction to me, my heart is I want to obey him. But I'm going to ask him if he'd confirm it so that I'm sure it's not just my imagination or my own desire. But God, will you confirm this? And so I'm going to ask him to confirm it externally. What does that mean? It's not I'm just going to get another word that it's right. I'm going to ask him, God, will you speak prophetically to someone to confirm this? Will you do something externally that makes it very clear? Sometimes that external thing we call a fleece. Based after Gideon's story in the Bible, where God says to this guy who's, who's uh, beating out grain in the wine press, hiding, and God says he's going to use him to, to free all of Israel, and he's going, that's got to be my imagination. Even though it was an audible voice, he said, God, if that's actually you, will you and he sets out a fleece. Will you cause the fleece to be wet and the ground dry? And the next morning, that's what happens. And then he's still not convinced, so he says, we do the opposite next day. Will you make the, the fleece dry and the ground wet? And that's what happens. Hey, you know, I've heard all kinds of sermons about that, but God never corrects Gideon. He doesn't say, oh, you have little faith. He actually doesn't. Why? Because it's a relational thing. God's a God who speaks. He doesn't expect us to walk around blind guessing. Maybe this could be God. I'm going to fall off the edge. No, he actually wants us to know. So he brings confirmation I was a, Mary and I, when we first moved to Australia, we lived in Adelaide, and we were there, and we had moved here, and it was a complex situation, but I felt that, praying once, that uh, God told me to go to Africa, South Africa. We lived in Adelaide, but there was a team from the church going, and there was a uh, equip time there, and I felt God say that I was to go, and I just went, wonderful, I received that, but I don't have any money. If this is you, will you provide the money for the ticket? Simple, right? I'm not being argumentative. My heart is, is to obey God. And so when the time came for us to buy the ticket, someone had sent us some money from the States, and it was what we needed for the ticket. It was a confirmation. Now, what would have happened if I say, God... Will you provide the money for the ticket? Because I believe you're saying to go. And time comes to buy the ticket and I don't have the money. So I pull out my wallet and stick it on my credit card. I've just taken God out of the equation. I just, in, instead of believing 
that God was big enough to confirm what I asked him to do, I birthed an Ishmael. I said, I'm going to do it. The consequences of that. I don't know how many times I've dealt with people who were hurt and upset and angry with God years later because they birthed an Ishmael. I don't know why I went there. Don't do that. So we can ask God to confirm a prophetic word, a fleece. But sometimes it's through other people. We can ask other people to pray. Now, there is something in the Bible about getting counsel, good wisdom, that's good. But when you're asking for confirmation from God, you're not asking for someone's counsel. You're asking them to hear God. Years ago, Mary and I were uh, newly married in Youth with a Mission. We lived, uh, we had done a school in Hawaii, and there was a team going off to uh, plan a Waiwan base in Saipan, an island of the Pacific. And as we were praying, we had a whole list of things to pray for for this outreach. And that was the first one. And as we prayed, we felt like God said yes. And we went, yeah, but the third one down was the one I really wanted. But God was saying, yes, we said, okay, God, if this is you, will you confirm it? And we asked him specific things. Will you confirm it through the leadership here in YWAM, but also will you confirm it through the pastors of our church back at home? So we shared it with them, and we waited, and a month goes by. It's Monday. Wednesday, we have to have a decision. Haven't heard from the pastors of our church at home. The YWAM leaders were, felt positive. We felt like we had other perf- uh, words of Scripture and different things in, internally, but we hadn't heard from them. And so we're driving home from school on Monday evening, and I'm angry. I'm, I'm just not a very patient person. I've, I've become much more patient. Let me say that. Those of you who know me say, I'm really sure glad I didn't know you when you were impatient. <laughs> But hadn't heard from them, and I was just, I was, oh, God, these guys, they don't really care, and it's been a month, and they haven't responded, and just forget them. Uh, If we don't hear from them, we're just going to go anyway. And I felt the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart, something that has become critical for my whole life. He said, did you ask them to confirm it, or did you ask me to confirm it through them? Let me say that again. Did you ask them to confirm it? I want their experience and their wisdom. Or did you ask me to confirm it through them? And immediately a scripture came to my mind. God turns the heart of the king like water in his hand. And I got on my knees and I said, God, you're bigger. I trust you are bigger than them, even if their heart isn't right. We got home, having dealt with that, get a phone call. It's about 9 o'clock at night in Hawaii. At that point, it was almost midnight in California, where we came from. And they said, oh, they just had an elders meeting, and they were praying, and they felt like God was saying, we should go. We should go. 
Are we asking for people's input or are we asking for people to pray? There's a big difference. So let me help you with that. You can ask others to pray. But the problem is, if you're not careful, you can keep looking until you find someone who agrees with you. I'm going to share this with, uh, with Jesse, and, and she doesn't, I don't get the answer, so I'm going to share it with Tom, then I'm going to share it with Dylan, then I'm going to share it with, until I get to Barb, who finally says, yeah, I think that's God. <laughs> oh, yeah, God confirmed it. Hopefully you've never done that. But I have. <laughs> and that's why I'm being honest with you. But sometimes the confirmation is only in the fulfillment. Sometimes it's in sharing something with someone. And they say, how could you have known that? Or you feel God says to pray for someone because he wants to heal them. The confirmation isn't that you pray. The confirmation is that they get healed. We have this wonderful privilege of hearing God. He's with us. He speaks to us. But we need to learn how to hear and ask him for confirmation. He's a God who loves to share. Let me finish with a story I've told you before, but years ago, Mary and I were planning a church in Melbourne, Australia, and one of the guys on the team that we relate to was there, and he had a prophetic word for us about being involved in the nations again. And uh, my response was, we're Americans living in Australia, planning a church. This is the nations for us. And he laughed and said, no, you know what I mean. There's something of a bigger call on your life than one nation. And uh, we said, great. And then we prayed about it and said, God, we're open to anything you say, but we don't have any resources. We're planning a church. I'm working part-time to make ends meet. We're getting by literally week to week, which wasn't a hardship. God's faithful. But we're talking about something in addition. And I said, God, we're willing to obey, but if it's you, you'll have to do something. And into that situation, we felt like God spoke a scripture to us. In Ezra chapter 6, verse 4, the expense will be paid from the king's treasury. Now, in context, that's about building the temple. Okay, that's absolutely true. God did that, but God was making it to us personally. And we said, great, we believe that, but now we need to see the confirmation. Just a few weeks later, we were invited to attend a translocal training time with NCMI in the States. We're living in uh, Melbourne at the time. And we said, okay, God, we're willing to obey, but you have to provide. Literally two days later, someone walks up to us and says, this is strange, but we had planned this trip to go overseas. We saved some money, and we weren't able to go. Something's changed, and we're not going to go, but God said to give it to you because you're going to go overseas. We went, wow, that's pretty cool. And so 
We did. It was enough to, to buy the plane tickets. We're going to be in the States for three weeks. And we had a fee to pay for that training for the, the accommodation and food. But we knew we were going to stay with some friends at different times because we were originally from California. And so we didn't think we were going to starve. But when we landed at the airport, I had 50 Aussie dollars. And when I exchanged that to U.S. dollars with the exchange rate and the fee, I ended up with $18 for three weeks. Thinking, okay, God, we're here. We've obeyed the next step. And the very first place we went was some friends who invited us to come stay with them. And he'd asked me if I would actually minister in his church. But we get there on a Thursday, and he says, on Friday, we're going to go to the... They, they live near the, one of the biggest indoor shopping malls in all of America. He said, we're going to go shopping. And Mary and I look at each other and laugh. It's going to be a short shopping trip. We've got $18. And uh, he laughs. He says, no, no. About a month ago, our, we felt as leaders, as a church, that the next person who came to us, that we as a church were to take them shopping and buy anything and everything they wanted with no exception. Only limitation that had to go back in our suitcase. But what that meant was, the very first day we were there, we bought shoes. Our, our boys had asked if we go to the States, would we bring shoes for them? Very first day we had shoes for our boys. And through that whole trip, we had enough. God always provided. We stayed with another, some other friends. And they said, this funny thing happened is that we sent you a, we thought we sent you a check about six months ago. But we just found it on our desktop under some papers the other day. And so here, just like that, things like that happened. Bottom line is we had enough for the whole time and we had enough when we came back to pay all our bills because I hadn't been working. Now that in itself is a wonderful story. All the expense will be paid from the king's treasury. We've done 58 international trips and everyone has been paid from the king's treasury. How do we know that was a word from God for us? Because we saw the fulfillment. But sometimes we don't see the fulfillment right away. Sometimes we see it looking back. So what am I saying? Greatest privilege is that God's with us. But he's also a God who speaks. We need to be reading the word and we need to be cultivating his presence. Listening. Obeying what he says. Because that's how we grow. And hopefully the longer we're walking with him, the more we recognize his voice. And the more confidence we have of stepping out. So let me encourage you. God wants to speak. He's made it very clear. If you're not sure, ask him to confirm. But it's a great privilege. Will you bow your head? I waffled on a little bit longer because Mary needed more time for Sunday school. No. <laughs> That's not true. 
I want to just encourage you. Before you get into busyness of the day, would you take a moment and just confirm to the Lord that you want to hear his voice? If you've only ever heard him through the word, you've got a good part of it, but not all of it. So ask him. I began to pray that. And it took me 18 months to realize that every week, every Sunday, the scripture I read in my quiet time, I was very diligent, but the scripture I read was what the pastor preached from. Every single week. But it took me 18 months to realize that wasn't just a coincidence, that was actually God speaking. I was learning to hear his voice. So let me encourage you. Whatever background you're from, whatever situation you've been in, you have this incredible privilege of him being with you in everything. Everywhere you go, he's with you. But he also speaks. He speaks regarding your business. He speaks regarding your family. He speaks regarding direction. He speaks regarding warnings and protection. He's a God who speaks. And it's definitely worth our time to learn to hear his voice. Lord, we simply say, we want to hear you. We want to walk with you. What a privilege. You're not far off. Lord, you've spoken in your word, and we appreciate that. We love it. It's what you've said. We're never, you're never going to change or turn from that, but you're also speaking by your spirit. So, Lord, we want to hear you and all those. And we simply say, open our ears to hear anew and afresh. Open our eyes to see. As Elisha prayed for his servant, that his eyes would be open to see the realm of the Spirit, would our eyes and ears be open to see what you're doing in every area. Lord, we don't want to limit you to a time frame on Sunday morning, but we want to walk with you in every aspect of life. And so we say, would you help us to hear and to cultivate your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The kids are probably pulling Mary's hair out by now. If you need some prayer, there'd be some folks who'd love to pray with you. If you've not met Jesus, you can't hear his voice. But you can if you meet him. There's some coffee and tea out here. Some fellowship. Uh, take, take some time. If you have some time, connect with someone. But otherwise, if you need some prayer, there'd be some folks who'd love to pray with you. Just come to the front. Someone will be here. Otherwise, have a great week and enjoy his presence. Cultivate his presence throughout the whole week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.